In the 1980s classic film Adventures in Babysitting, Julia Louise-Dreyfus auditioned for the lead role, but withdrew in favor of Jodie Foster. Then Jodie Foster also withdrew Michelle Pfeiffer, Valerie Bertinelli, Elizabeth Shue, and Justine Bateman were all up for the role. Bateman withdrew from the project due to creative conflicts. Pfeiffer left the project and starred in Witches of Eastwick. Uh, And eventually the role of a lifetime of Chris, the teenage girl sent on a madcap adventure through downtown streets of Chicago while babysitting, went to the amazingly talented Elizabeth Shue on the final day of auditions. Thus, History was made, and Adventures from Baby Adventures in Babysitting became became the greatest movie in cinema history. Adventures in Babysitting on this episode of what? What? Wait, what are you doing? I think I read it wrong. Oh, Babysitting Horror Movies on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Way off. Attention, planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack. Good evening, Mr. and Miss Mr. and Mrs. Anderson. I, Chris Parker, will babysit your kids tonight. Uh, and they will be in good hands. Don't worry, we won't go drive into the big city to pick up my friend Brenda at the train station. Oh, sorry, I, I'm kind of working through some things right now. Hey, everybody, Insane Mike here, and this is Attack of the Killer Podcast, a horror movie podcast where a group of friends get together and discuss horror movies within a certain topic. And this topic is horror movies about babysitting. So there may be spoilers. Just to give you a heads up. Now, this is episode 221 that we call babysitting horror now when chris is talking to brad and sarah in their living room (laughs) scenes from the movie halloween can be seen on their television in the background and deborah hill is the producer of adventures in babysitting and she also is the producer of halloween you brought it back Speaking of Deborah Hill, if you want more Attack of the Killer podcast in your life, go to jointheattackers.com. At jointheattackers.com, you can become fully submerged in the full Attack of the Killer podcast experience. You can get bonus episodes, special videos, Insane Mike's one-minute top ten list, killer critiques, your your very own membership card and um, official certificate, Mikey's Monsters, and so much more. Go to jointheattackers.com and pick the package you want so you can get more amazing content and merch. Again, that's jointheattackers.com. Brenda's coat in Adventures in Babysitting is a uh, Hemington High School jacket. Hemington High School is a fictional high school, but I think it's a tribute to uh, Ernest Hemingway. Um. Because uh, Ernest Hemingway, it was Hem- Hemingway High School. Sorry, not Hemington. Uh, Hemingway High School. Now, Ernest Hemingway was born and raised in Oak Park, Illinois. O- Oak Park, Illinois. So I think the fictional um, high school and adventures in babysitting was a tribute to him. Now, speaking of Ernest Hemingway, it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. One summer, he got a job as a babysitter, and he had to wear an owl costume. They called him the Hootenanny. Jason, everybody. Oh, my goodness. 
everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I don't know what's wrong with Mike tonight. He tried to get a job babysitting Superman, son, but he didn't get the job because the kid already had supervision. Andy! (laughs) Hey, attackers. Happy Halloween, you (laughs) bastards. One time, we were babysitting together. That was until the kid peed on the floor. Then he said, you're in charge, and left. Tad! Oh, man. The dad jokes get worse every week. (laughs) Every week. Good thing we're in every other week's show. And we have two very special guests from the Beauty and the Screams podcast. Emily and Jennifer, welcome to the show. No bad joke for them. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Hello. They are our babysitters tonight. (laughs) We want them to come back. You know, yeah. <laughs> so uh, why don't you guys uh, tell everybody out there in podcast land a little bit about your guys' show. Okay. So we are actually sisters. Yes. And we basically just decided we wanted to talk about anything that really falls into like, not even just like horror, I guess, because creepy and stuff like that isn't technically always like Scary, really scary, yeah. but um, basically, yeah, we talk about an array of different things, something different every week. Like we are currently about to put out an episode about the Day of the Dead because it comes out on November first. Um, our last episode was Halloween themed because it was our next episode before Halloween actually happened. And we've talked about Ouija boards. We've talked about spiritual communications. We've talked about talked about serial killers, pirates, all kinds of things. <laughs> Ooh, just a an couple sisters shooting the shit. Yes, we've recently gotten into a lot more true crime though, because I'm fascinated. <laughs> I'm obsessed with true crime. Absolutely, aren't we all? Yes. Well, it's awesome having you guys on the show. Thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back anyway, Emily. Happy to be here. Now, you know one movie that's missing from Shudder that would make the streaming service perfect? Adventures in Babysitting! Oh my gosh. Despite that, though, (laughs) Shudder is the best for streaming services for horror. Shudder can be streamed (laughs) on your phone, on your iPad, on Roku, Apple TV, so much more. Um, You need Shudder in your life. Right now, you can get a free month of Shudder, thanks to us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. Enter our promo code AOTKP and get started on the best decision of your life. A lot of us horror fans just recently checked out Joe Bob's Halloween special, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about up next in Tad's segment, What We Watched. Like Mike said, we just wrapped up a new week of the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, and um, I'm going to skip that one this week because I feel like um, most of our listeners watch that too. So let's just go ahead and go to Andy. What have you watched? Okay, just recently, last night, I got on to Shudder and I watched The Cleansing Hour. Have you guys watched that yet? No. Tell us about it. Uh, it's about uh, this uh, pod. Uh, it's an internet show, and this priest he does these exorcisms that are supposed to be real, and 
you know, he's got, you know, about 50,000, you know, followers and all this jazz and, um, it's all, it's all faked and people perceive it to be real. And then finally, you know, on the next show, uh, the this girl that comes in is the uh fiance of one of the show's producers and she legitimately gets possessed and this guy is like he's he went to seminary the the guy that does the show that's supposed to be doing all the exorcisms but i mean he drinks he womanizes he does all this stuff and um then they finally they really have to perform an exorcism and they have to like literally confess their sins, which are not, you know, mild in front of like this internet audience, you know, and I'll, and I'll leave it at that. It's, it's, it's not bad. It was, it was, it was actually pretty good. It's got the, um, the one recognizable face that I saw in this was, uh, Kyle Gallner. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And he played, um, he was on Walking Dead very briefly, and he was also in uh, the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. He played. Most people uh, were on The Walking Dead briefly. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's very Sorry. true. Um, he was, he played uh, uh, the the male counterpart to, to Nancy, if you guys ever saw the, the remake of Na- uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And I, I recommend it. It's worth watching once. Um, I also watched, uh, I also sat down and watched like for the bajillionth time since it was the 42nd anniversary, uh, the original 1978 Halloween. Why you ask? Why, no, I'm, like, I'm like, really? Why are you asking? Do you need a fucking reason to watch <laughs> Halloween? <laughs> what the fuck? Point. Um, I also watched, uh, I know it's probably supposed to be movies, but I did uh, binge the second season of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Um, I want to say it's it wasn't as good as the the first season, but still, it you know kept me uh, kept me entertained. There was a very interesting story about uh, the ghosts of the uh, victims of the tsunami on this one Island in, uh, Japan and how they just, they keep coming, you know, back and they're looking for clothes and they don't know they're dead and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I wanted to, to touch on. Um, yeah, I'll pass it on. I'll pass it on. Uh, Nikki actually had to confess to me today. She's like, I'm really sorry, but I watched two episodes of unsolved mysteries this morning without you. So what I'm saying in short is Call that the lawyer. Buddy, buddy will have two Christmases this year. Oh, <laughs> snap. <laughs> Call the lawyer. Call the lawyer. It's over. It's done. Was the uh, cleansing hour. Is that a, is that a shutter original? That is a Shutter original. Yes, it was actually on the. Uh, I I could have watched it like before it got on Shutter because it was part of a film festival, a virtual one that I subscribed to. But I was just I saw that it was a Shutter original. And I was just like, well, shit, I could just wait. Why, you know, you know, I've only got a limited amount of time to watch some of the stuff that's on this horror festival. So I just right. I waited until I could just watch it on Shutter, but. Uh, yeah, it's 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 good. I recommend it. It's um it's not the scariest exorcism movie. I mean, let's be honest, there's only one really super scary exorcism movie. And everybody knows what that is. Yes. And scary don't say the movie wrong. Four. 
<laughs> of course. You're right. Um, uh, repossessed is the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, yeah. Uh, check it out. Uh, the Cleansing Hour and definitely watch Unsolved Mysteries because they're both really good shows. And watch Halloween because you need to. Because. Yeah, I've watched Halloween in parts probably 10 times this season because it's on AMC. And I just, I cannot not leave it on the TV and just yep. um, Carpenter score in the background as I like hang Halloween lights is about as good as life gets for me anymore. So done. Um, done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I Lori's Lori's theme is it for me. Lori's theme on piano. Oh my God. Like if I can drive through the park with the leaves changing, listen to that in my car, it's like Ooh. bliss. I wish I had you all alone. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, we're going to move on to Jason. What have you watched? Okay. I watched, uh, Tina and I watched this movie from 2019 called spiral. I know there's 15,000 different spirals out there, but, this one, uh, the tagline is fear is everywhere. Um, a same sex couple moves to a small town so they can enjoy a better quality of life and raise their 16 year old daughter with the best social values, but nothing is as it seems in their picturesque neighborhood. And when Malik sees the folks next door throwing a very strange party, something very shocking has got to give. Well, during quarantine, any party that the neighbors are throwing, I'm calling the cops. Like, <laughs> don't yeah, be it was, yeah, this movie's all right. It's, uh, you know, um, yeah, it was more about just uh, setting a mood of like this guy. I, this, I think the title is just kind of like this main dad kind of losing his shit. He sees something and, you know, it's like Fright Night, but he sees something in his neighbor's house and he's just paranoid and, and he, you know, he had a, had a very hard childhood growing up as a black gay kid. And um, there's some similarities. And so there's just, you know, his paranoia with the whole thing in the neighborhood and, and just never feeling comfortable. And so it's kind of about him losing his shit, trying to figure out what the hell really is going on with the neighbors, if there is something or not. And um, so it's, it's pretty cool. Is it uh, one of those where Tina had the remote and she's just like, this is, this is fine. Hits play. And you're like, how can you do that? 100%. Yep. <laughs> it's absolutely like, how would you, we didn't even research this. Yet. Oh, okay. We're watching it. And it was fine. Uh, then we watched uh, the one that I got to pick uh, was of course, Joe Bob. And, and I don't, won't say much other than man, how great was it to just hear Joe Bob talking about our friends. Right? Oh, like, he said so Bettendorf, cool. Iowa, out loud. He did. He did. I was giddy. Oh, I got great. super giddy. He um, was much nicer uh, to them and about them than he was for Joe Lynch. So Absolutely. Oh, That's what I was going to say. I'm like, he said a lot of really nice things about them as writers, as directors, and about the movie. And he still yeah. gave them shit about things because oh, he's Joe Bob. But well, he has to. He was very complimentative. It was awesome. I got, I just, my heart he, fluttered every time he said Scott and uh, Scott and Brian's name. He like, talked about time. what they're doing in the future. Yeah. I mean, he mm-hmm. was just all about, I was so great. Yep. I'm it so was, happy it was so awesome. The only thing I was, only thing I was hoping for, cause you know, towards the end, you know, he would mention like, you know, so-and-so played so-and-so and went on to do this and that. Yep. And I was really hoping he would mention Justin as the clown. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, I, it was pretty high expectations, but I was like, 
was I was high on the hog at that moment anyway. So yep, it was all great. It was so great. And then hack a lantern, Jesus, what a how's that amazing? I was going to say Mike's got to love that movie. <laughs> I had never seen that before, and which yeah. I was stoked for. I love when he shows something I haven't seen. Like yep. everybody sort of imploded on the internet because they were expecting Halloween three. Like I love Halloween three. I do not need Joe Bob to show Halloween three. He did it on monster vision and we just, I don't need to watch yeah. it again. Show me something yeah. new. Yep. I don't know where people are getting expectations for certain movies. The internet and this. Twitter is freaking out about Halloween three. It's kind of ridiculous, right? Get over it. Right? Yeah. It's gotten to the point where I hope he doesn't do it just because I don't want him to yeah. give in. Right. Exactly. And so those were great, of course. And then Tina did her magical remote random pushing again, but I'm glad she did because, and you guys talked about it last episode and I really wanted to re-listen to what you said after watching it and before this, but I didn't get a chance to, it was Hoobie Halloween. <laughs> and because yeah. I just remember besides you guys going on for a half an hour about it, but <laughs> I remember you guys saying some things that really pissed you off and like almost ruined the movie. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't remember anything really ruining the movie. It was pretty awesome. I'm not going to say it ruined it, but I don't know. Again, that moment where they, they're at the radio station and they blame the love interest. They, they, they suspect the love interest. I guess I just didn't get there. I'm like, how, Mm. how did they suspect the love interest and how quickly did they suspect her? Especially considering that the, the chief of police was suspecting Hubi in the scene just before. And now he's listening to what Hubi has to say about who he thinks the prime suspect is. That was, that was my only beef really, you know, and, and again, you know, it's, yeah, it's a happy Madison, you yep. know, with a movie where a guy has a Swiss army thermos and you have to suspend disbelief on everything. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The hardest part for me was that to, to buy was Julie Bowen having a crush on him. Yeah. And you're like, mm-hmm. that was a, that was like, a bit much. That could have been written better. But everything so, Chad and you guys said was the best part is just that how great would it be to have a town that is celebrated Halloween, even though they're mean to this one guy, but the town celebrated Halloween and it was such a big deal. And that parties was the best. downtown and stuff. And that was the best part. Just getting to see all that. And, and the, and where the moral went, you know, with him. I, and I think the best part of the entire movie is the thermos, to be honest. Well, okay. We're done here. The fir- thermos was fun. I don't know it if was you're cool. sarcastic. No, I'm no, being serious. That's what I'm saying is it's hilarious. Like it's a funny yeah. running gag in the movie. I love it. And it's a gag that hasn't been a gag in a long time. You right. Know, like, that's cool that it's something over the top like that. Yeah. Yeah. Some neat thing. So anyway, that's what I watched. Happy Halloween. Excellent. I'm just going to go because <laughs> I'm so excited for what <laughs> I watched that I want to talk about it. And I'm just going to cut in front of everybody and not make myself go last. Talk so about um, it. tell us. All right. I watched Borat subsequent movie oh. film. Did oh, anybody man. else watch Borat too? Not yet. To. Not yet. Nope. Just me. So far, well, I'm not going to spoil it for you guys, but holy shit, um, this is hilarious and uh, as always, eye opening and sad at the same time. Um, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll want to hug people, um, you'll want to burn our country to the ground. Uh, I all I'll say is that I hope for this country's sake that we never need another Borat movie. 
<laughs> but I'm but I'm glad we have one. But um, the fact that our country's at the point where we need another Borat, we needed a second Borat movie right. says a lot. Um, <laughs> but it's it's definitely worth the way is lives up to the hype. His yeah. him I, 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 like uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is pushing for the actress who plays his daughter in the movie to get an Oscar because she's fantastic. She she steals the show from Sasha, so I recommend it. It's on prime um then the next movie i watched was a first time watch for me it's been on my watch list for a very long time and i absolutely loved it it's on shutter streaming right now use the code aotkp for a free month it is fade to black oh cool nice i assume most of you have seen like at least i knew mike probably seen it uh jason have you seen it i don't recall has one of the coolest posters in history yeah, it's uh, a yeah. super cool poster. Half, yeah, half um, painted white face and half painted black. Yeah. So the story is pretty simple. This kid who works in a theater, sort of. He, he, I think he sort of works in acquiring films and helping with the books and stuff at a at a theater or a film ac- film company. I don't even really know what his job is, but um, he's needless to say a pretty nerdy. Um, socially awkward kid who was absolutely obsessed with film. So right away, Nikki's like, Oh, it's you. Cool. Um, <laughs> and you know, he's, he's almost cocky about his film knowledge and is always challenging people and, and spouting off random facts and trivia about films. And, you know, most women think it's weird. Most dudes beat him up for it. He gets bullied <laughs> a lot. Um, and it gets to a point where he sort of is sick of being bullied. So he snaps and he starts committing murders um, out of movies. So he dresses up as the characters in the films and reenacts um, reenacts murders from movies. So uh, I won't spoil any of the kills, but he's, he, he starts, you know, killing people one by one by reenacting movie scenes. It's pretty awesome. A cool concept. Um, not a, not a great, movie i would say but definitely worth a watch i really 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 loved it and it is on shutter so check out fade to black and then the third one i had a hard time choosing my third movie because i've seen quite a few awesome ones but the other night i watched one of my favorite halloween uh rewatches that i try to get every year it's something that i think i actually discovered on um monster vision if i'm not mistaken but it's toby hooper's the fun house Oh, uh, sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I, cool. I absolutely love this movie. I've, you know, watched it, like I said, almost every year in October. It just gives me the perfect feels. I think, you know, outside of Texas Chainsaw and maybe Texas Chainsaw 2, Toby Hooper's uh, best film, my favorite at least. I just love it. Oh, I know, man. I know there's Poltergeist. I know there's a lot of stuff that you could list, but this one for me has is is greatly rewatchable. It has a lot of homages to other old horror movies, but the, the big reveal is always awesome to me. I love the villain wearing a big creepy, uh, ratty Frankenstein mask. That's cool as hell. Um, just has a lot of cool vibes, a lot of cool atmosphere and something that always puts me in the mood around, uh, Halloween season. So yeah, check out the fun house also. And that's it for me. Let's see who hasn't gone. Uh, Mike, have you gone? Not yet. Okay, um, then go ahead. I'll just briefly mention that um, 
you know, the three of us just had a sweet drive-in experience. And I told oh, him, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got to see. Sure did. Pumpkinhead on the big screen, on the big mm-hmm. drive-in screen. So that was fun. We had a vendor booth and sold quite a bit of merch. So that was cool. But it was a blast. I love going to the drive-in. Don't get to do it enough. But I've done it more this year than I haven't in several years. So that's awesome. Um, and, uh, another one I meant I'll mention here is, uh, you know, Brandy and I, for one of our, uh, Halloween October picks, um, that I think is going to be a reoccurring one for me, at least is going to be the WNUF Halloween special. Yeah. That was on my short list too. Yeah. And I had just listened to your, um, episode. Uh, first time podcast for the first time podcast on, on that. And so that was great with Brian and, and Brian. Yeah, it was cool. Cause, <laughs> um, yeah, as you guys are talking, I had just recently watched it. So it was, it was like fresh, all, in, your mind. fresh in my mind. Yeah. Um, and then of course I watched the Joe Bob stuff. Uh, but the last one I'll, I'll bring up, this is completely out of left field and not horror. Um, but, uh, uh, we watched um, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, uh, the movie with starring the Bee Gees as Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Hmm. That movie's awesome. It's bad, but it's awesome. Is it bad or is it awesome? It's, Those are two different. It's awesome. It could be both, though. Awesome. Exactly. Really bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't care what Beatles, Beatles fan I'm going to... Um, insult at this moment here but steve martin's rendition of maxwell Silverhammer is way better than the beatles version i'm just saying yeah beatles are overrated anyways um emily what have you watched the stones are better (laughs) well um i have so i did watch the wretched which Uh, yeah i I haven't seen it yet about it is very good i'm not I've heard the, good things i'm not the greatest at explaining movies but um yeah <laughs> it was pretty good it i mean i watched it with my mom and the whole time she's like oh my god oh my god <laughs> i was trying to remember which movie that was because we watched most of our stuff together and that's right because mom kept saying that and i knew like i had to make sure i was paying attention at that point because that meant it was good <laughs> yeah Cause that's Jennifer's form of watching a scary movie with me as she sits on her iPad and draws so that she can like look away when something happens. <laughs> so yes, I, we watched and technically Jennifer watched the wretched also. I'd watched it before everybody else saw it, but is um, it, where's it streaming at? That is on um, Hulu, right? Okay. Yeah. I, I th- yeah. I think that I still haven't seen it. Well, it is on Hulu, so you should watch it because it's pretty good. It's not like the greatest movie ever, but it's it's all right. I will check it out. I did watch. We both watched actually together. We watched Open Twenty Four Hours. That was a freaking mind bender. Let me tell you. Uh, what is that? I have tell no me. idea. Yeah. What is oh, it? it's um, it's kind of like a. It is a horror movie. It's about this girl who. Basically, her boyfriend had been murdering women like she he'd killed like 35 women and he basically forced her to sit and watch when he did it. And she's like all psychologically 
messed up from it. And it's basically in the beginning, she's seeing him places, but it's giving you the impression that it's just in her mind. But then it gets real crazy. And, and you know, people start dying. <laughs> and he's actually there. <laughs> so. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Is that a newer yeah. movie? <laughs> yeah. Okay. We, I had to rent it cause I couldn't find it anywhere to watch it, like stream it for free. So I rented it from Google, but I thought for a second you meant like you drove to a video store and rented it. I'm like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like who does that? Cool. My dad does. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he still doesn't even use Redbox. Like he still goes into the video store and picks out DVDs. Well, luckily we still have yeah. a place he can do that. So family video, baby. Yeah. I give him a gift card like Christmas time for like 50 bucks a family video and some pop bike away popcorn. I'm like, enjoy the next year of movies on me because you can probably get a year's worth for $50. (laughs) Probably. Yeah. (laughs) And last night we watched Interview with the Vampire. Classic. Uh Yes, that is also streaming on HBO. I mean, on HBO, on Hulu. Wrong one. That's also streaming on Hulu. Is that is that the one that has is it the one that has like Keanu with the worst accent ever? No, this is Brad Pitt and <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise and Kirsten Dunst. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, uh, oh my gosh, who's the guy that is interviewing him? The the vampire. Uh, the, yeah, <laughs> that's interview. It's not. Uh. Was it Slater? Slater? Yes. Yeah. He's been on the show before. It's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> it has uh, Antonio Banderas. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, um, that was actually the first movie I ever watched as a kid that like traumatized me. Because no, I, I, I don't think I've, I don't think I've actually ever seen interview with the vampire. Well, I don't think I have either. There's just oh. one scene where it, it just messed me up for a long time. I used to, so basically it came out in 94, I'm pretty sure. So again, I was like five <laughs> and my stepdad had bought it and he, I was supposed to be playing in my room and I did not play in my room. I like army crawled down the hallway and I was behind the couch, like with my head peeked around watching it. But then if like he stood up to go to the bathroom or get something to eat, drink or whatever, I could like pull myself back behind the couch. So it wasn't like I was watching and it was terrible. And I had nightmares about vampires killing my family for a really long time. It's like, I don't remember ever getting dreams from movies when I was a kid, but I think I sort of do now, but they're never like nightmares. They just influence my dreams somehow. Yeah. It's, and it's weird stuff. It's like a car that was from a movie. It's never like a character or anything or a story or anything. It's just, just an object. Yeah. Trying to think if there's anything else. Jennifer, did you watch anything different? Uh, not really. Emily and I usually watch all of our stuff together. Well, that's awesome. You have something to uh, someone to watch movies with. Right. My best friend. Yeah, we'll literally just be sitting there. This is our daily day to day. We like 
play Scrabble. Then we're bored with Scrabble. So then I'm like, you want to watch a movie or a show? And then we choose. And then I pretty much pick what we watch. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we all had some good picks this week. I guess that wraps up what we watched. Did you know that Adventures in Babysitting um, <laughs> was Christopher Col- was Chris Col- uh, Columbus's directorial debut? Yeah, it was. Huh. Have you ever listened to a podcast and caught yourself talking to your device like you're part of the conversation? Mm-hmm. Well, now is your chance with Pole Position, and here's Jason to tell us about it. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of Pole Position. All right, this is just the segment of the show where we do a quick little poll for Twitter and we call it pole position. And the four of us get to pick an answer to the question and then everyone gets to go to Twitter and vote and see who got the right answer. Um, today's pole position question is, who is the worst movie babysitter? All right, Mike, you're up first. I chose the crazy babysitter twins from planet terror because <laughs> when they are jumping on her car and beating the crap out of it because she hasn't paid them yet, you know, it's, it seems like pretty crazy, pretty horrible babysitting to me. That's not I would love practices. to have them as my babysitter though. <laughs> Aren't those Robert Rodriguez's nieces? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Good pick. Thanks. I'll go next. Um, I chose Peter from Hereditary as my worst babysitter. I told I told yeah, Nikki your pick, is. and she laughed out loud. Oh, <laughs> Nikki, your good. sense of humor. Well, good pick, man. That's like that's a dark one. Yeah, yeah. it's as about as bad as you could get. How did you th- How did you think of that one? Like I I never would have thought of that, but it's per- the perfect answer. Uh, honestly, I was it was I was listening to um, Ari Aster on the Eli Eli Ross Ross, history horror uncut. I just happened to be on his episode and I just, that made me think of it. So that was it. That was my pick. Thank you for thank. Tell Nikki. Thanks. I think. (laughs) Um, All right, Ted, what's, what's your pick? I'm going with Mrs. Baylock from the original, the omen. Um, (laughs) I mean, she, you know, she literally hung herself at Damien's birthday party in front of all the kids. How much worse can you possibly get? Yeah, it's all for good. you, Damien, then jumps out the window. I mean, <laughs> that's as bad as you can be. You get a poor report babysitter <laughs> card on that one. Yeah, probably not. You know, yeah. I mean, not yeah, that it matters because she's yeah. dead now, but. <laughs> all right. And Andy, what's your choice? Uh, I chose the babysitter Lisa, played by Rachel Nichols in the Amityville horror remake from 2005, because uh, she's kind of a crappy babysitter. She's always, you know, getting high and just not really paying attention to the kids. But I would totally be like that heavy set kid in the Kiss T-shirt making her popcorn because I really want her to be my babysitter. So, yeah, <laughs> that's my that's that's my uh, that's my that's my choice. You wouldn't lock her out of the house like your other babysitter. <laughs> Hell no, I'd lock her in. <laughs> that, that that movie was on AMC the other night, and I hadn't seen it since I saw it in theaters. Its original release, and so I you know stopped on it and so sort of had it on the TV. And I, I need to revisit it. It's like the 
only movie I can think of where Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is just a insane, crazy, uh, angry asshole. He's insane in that. What's that one? The voices where the cat and the dog are talking to him. Right. Oh, but he's yeah. not like rage angry. He's yeah, more funny. Yeah. That. And, the, and, and Tad was referencing a conversation Andy told us on our last bonus episode, which you can all go and listen to at join the But that's a uh, poll position for today. Everyone goes over to at AOTKP on Twitter, find us and uh, vote on who you think got the answer right on who is the worst movie babysitter. That's pole position. <sighs> you know what my favorite scene from adventures and babysitting is <laughs> what? when they're running away from the car thieves and they're being chased down and they, they, they duck into this alley and go inside the blues bar and they can't leave without singing the blues. So the gang sings babysitter blues, you know, baby, baby, babysitting blues. Yeah. That, that's my favorite scene. I watched that movie a lot growing up. So I know it front <laughs> to back. I know all the quotes. I, and then they remade it. Then they redid a new version with Jonah Hill. Not as good. After, no, after hearing Mike talk about it, I've never seen it. And now I don't want to. Hey, <laughs> hey <what? laughs> Andy, Andy, you're going to have to jump on my podcast, watch it and, and trash talk it. Oh gosh. I suppose we should talk about our movies then. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Fine. Jason, what is our first movie (laughs) talking about babysitting horror? The first movie we're talking about tonight is the classic from 1979, When a Stranger Calls. On a warm September evening. Dr. Malakis? Jill Johnson was babysitting for the two young children of a wealthy doctor. Okay. Bye. They told her where they would be and when they would be home. They told her everything she had to know, except what to do when a stranger calls. Hello? Have you checked the children? What? Hello, could you get me the police? Well, there's really nothing you can do about it down here. Uh, Have you checked the children? He's watching me through the windows. Well, if he calls again, we can try to trace it. Why haven't you checked the children? Please, can't you help me? I'm all alone here. What do you want? Your blood. Leave me alone! Jill, this is Sergeant Sacker. We've traced a call. It's coming from inside the house. Jill, just get out of that house. And the terror just begins when a stranger calls. A young high school student babysits for a very rich family. She begins to receive strange phone calls threatening the children. When she finally realizes that it's not a joke, she calls the police, only to find that the calls are coming from inside the house. I know. Why does she never check on them fucking kids? It was driving Tina crazy. And maybe she's the bet. She's babysitting. yelling at the TV, like, check on them fucking kids. That's what Why I was going to say. Why haven't you gone up there? It's hilarious for me, but yeah, fun movie, guys. This one, man, I, I'll say right out front. Uh, this is one of those movies, like, I feel like there's a certain set of movies where everybody feels like they've seen it. And oh, yeah. I felt like I, I felt like I've seen this, but when the story ended like seven minutes in, right? Yeah, that's yeah. 
Right. I'm like, uh, that's what I thought the movie was. And I like checked the runtime. I'm like, we still have an hour left, like an hour and 20 minutes. What the fuck? Yeah. Like I, cause in, yeah. th- there's a remake and that's the, the beginning of this movie is the entire remake. So, mm-hmm. uh, I was blown away. Like I was like, Oh, there's a movie after the movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, that whole movie you thought was the movie was really just the setup. So yeah. Yeah. It was like That's they made cool. the short and then they attached it onto the movie. Right. So did you say, cause I never saw the remake. The remake is just that opening scene, but feature length. Yeah. They draw it out. Okay. Like the wow. guy, she finds out, like, I think they do some kind of thing where, you know, they have cell phones. So he's in the house and for some reason, maybe he's, I don't remember very well, but he's like, you know, if you leave, I'll, I'll kill the children. I'll do something. So he oh, basically shit. holds her hostage in the house and uh it's much more drawn out and tense so then is it more like so then is it just black christmas then sort of like that it does have that if it's if it's just the intro yeah for the whole movie no don't okay but but, without that movie into this movie i was gonna say without the cool (laughs) lights and uh yeah but uh yeah this has got carol kane you know we love her mike's got a big crush on her of course dude she was so cute in this she and was. She's in everything, yeah. man. Everything. You should have done her on the uh, <laughs> insane game back in the day. All I could think and, of uh, was her hair. Yeah, her hair. Her hair was a little weird. I couldn't yeah. figure was, out. Her hair was awful. <laughs> I couldn't. It, it was I couldn't a different. Figure out time, which okay. way the brush goes through that hair. You know, right? Like it was going all different directions. Like, like the exactly. Or like the bang area was like curled up and like forward then she had it like the top back half like brushed back but then it was i don't know I, there was just a lot going on and i know it was a different time but still i have a feeling like the like the underneath part of that hair looks like the inside of a batting helmet because that's what it looked like to me it's just like it <laughs> sat on her head you know it looked like a yes. helmet and speaking <laughs> of a different time, how is Charles Durning an actor that acts in movies? How is he a person that gets to do that? He's fine, but he's not. My you know th- what I mean? My problem is, isn't so no. much him as an actor, him, but him as a believable cop that has to run through the streets well, to chase too. after well, that was a, so funny, him chasing a serial killer. <laughs> he's just a squatty little fat dude that you can hardly understand. And I just... I'm like, how did he get this job? I mean, when he's chasing after him in the streets, <laughs> I haven't seen that much boob flopping since the intro to Baywatch. Oh, I, I was actually I, thinking the exact same thing when I watched it. <laughs> I feel like this is like the 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 Dollar General version of like Doctor Loomis and Michael Myers, you know? <laughs> right, right, exactly. But I, but then the other guy, the the main bad guy, I you know, I I was up and down with that guy for a while. Uh, Tony Beckley is Kurt Duncan. I sometimes I'm like fuck this guy, and then I'm like sometimes I'm like you know what he's creepy as shit. I, I, and then like I don't know I was back and forth on him for a while, especially when like he walks oh, yeah. into that lady's apartment and she lets him, and I'm like she's what so are you cool doing? with it. No shit. Right. What? This is a different time. There is and no he, way. It's like how did you not like freak her out that he had followed her anyway? Jesus. Like, Right, right. Like, how did this person end up behind you in your hallway when it showed literally the whole journey of her getting home? Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. 
And then nonchalantly just lets him come in and has a You were like she was like rage pissed at him at the bar. Uh-huh. All he did was try to light her cigarette and now he's just, you know, making himself at home. I was like, Well shit, <laughs> do you want a sandwich too? What the fuck? I told Jennifer though, I was like, I really hope he doesn't kill her because she's a bad bitch. Like she did not cave at all. <laughs> she's yeah. like she's like, get yeah. away from me. <laughs> Yeah, she wasn't having it at the bar, and that was great. Yeah. Definitely, I, but... I did notice this. That Did you guys notice that the bar Torchies, I think it's the same one that was in 48 Hours, if I'm correct. Really nice. Because, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, the, at least the exterior, anyway. That The woman at the bar was my biggest problem with the movie, if you want to point out. And I'm, oh. not, I'm not saying anything about, like... Her as an actress or anything. Colleen Dewhurst. But the the choices of the performance is what I I, yeah. I couldn't stand. Well, yeah. I feel like that whole part was not necessary. <laughs> it kind of well, wasn't yeah. because it's was all filler. Yeah. Because like I mean, she has really. more screen time than Carol Kane, right? And <clears throat> I'm supposed to care about this woman. I know nothing about her. She's all over the all over the place emotionally. Like, you know, she's yelling at the guy, and then she's sympathetic to the guy, and then she's pissed off again at the guy, and then she's laughing with the guy, and like, and then she's pissed off again, and then, and then when she gets attacked, Charles Dernan comes running in, and then she's out of the story for the rest of the movie. Like, why was I paying any attention to this woman at all? What was the point of exactly. any of it? Yeah, and so it's so it's disappointing. Like I hadn't seen this movie in years, and my first real experience of this movie was that opening, uh, the the opening scene, yeah. um, in the uh the montage film Terror in the Isles. That's where I first experienced it, and I just thought that opening scene. And even when I finally got around yeah. to seeing the whole movie, that opening scene is so solid and so good, and it's great. And like. You know, every anytime you see anything about this movie, even the poster, it's Carol Kane. It's Carol Kane's eyes over the telephone, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's always her. But but she is she's just bookend in this movie. Like she's the beginning and the end, you know, and that's it. And then it's like this huge hour chunk in the middle of, you know, Charles Darwin trying to trying to hunt down this guy and this bitchy woman at a bar and and you know, the movie just comes to a crawl and both story structure and even uh, I'm going to, I hate to say it, but even, um, even uh, the direction of the film is just gets, it's just poor in the middle. I kind of, kind of, I don't, don't hate this movie because again, the beginning and the end to me is so strong and so solid. It's just a shame. They couldn't figure out a way of just, you know, taking out the middle and bringing those two ends together I think and the character she, development is a little lackluster too. It's there is none. There's none. There's no character development. I mean, really, the only the only arc we see in this movie is Charles's Charles's arc. Yeah, you know, um, which is barely even an arc. You know, but uh, but you know that woman in the bar. Yeah. She's woman in the bar. Like I don't even know if if she has a name. You know, that's how little I care. Well, you know, I'll be. I'll be honest. I told Jennifer and that she reminded me of Patrick Swayze with a wig. <laughs> this is this is Roadhouse. <laughs> to Wong Fu. Yeah, totally <laughs> to Wong Fu. Yes. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, I think you're you know right with the middle of the movie, but and as good as the beginning twenty minutes is, 
I thought the ending was even more powerful. Oh, I, I, yeah. think so. I agree. Christ, it scared the holy hell out of me. I agree. I do. I think I'm totally with you there. I think oh. the ending, and I don't know if it's because. <laughs> I was in my pants. I don't know if it's because of the first half yeah. that, that well, I can't even say first half. The first 20, 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, it builds up to that to that end, and that's and that's what's so frustrating about this movie is you get all that in the middle, uh-huh. all that in the middle when you have this amazing buildup for the final act, and you don't, and you don't an even act. know it's that she's coming back into the story. You don't even know that. No, and and as yeah. I'm watching this, and I'm writing up notes for the show today as I was watching the movie, and and I jump on IMDb to kind of look at some things about this movie, and the description of the movie, I was perplexed. I'm like, is this a lie? Because it says, like, a psychotic character terrorizes a babysitter, then returns seven years later to menace her again. And when I'm at an hour and and 20 minutes of a movie that's, like, an hour and 30-some minutes long, I'm like, no, I am to be lied. Carol Kane does not come back in this movie. Like, I thought she was just gone. I'm like, okay, that's cool. What happened to her? Like, what happened to the babysitter? I kept saying she has to come back at some point because they wouldn't have had that, like, or live. And they yeah. wouldn't keep referencing her at why, different times, too. Yeah, why would they establish her that well and then just not have it pay off? Mm-hmm. And it paid off, I thought. I, My I do. Oh, big time, big time. I do have a great story about this about this movie because I saw it years ago. I had bought like this two-pack uh, slasher Blu-ray, and it came with Happy Birthday to Me and When a Stranger Calls. And I had... Uh, this is when my wife and I were uh, were first dating, and we're and we're watching it, and the, uh, when a stranger calls, and uh, it's it's getting late, and she's sleeping over and whatnot, and uh, <laughs> we get to the point where we're in, where where you know she's lying in the bed and she thinks he's in the closet, and you see him turn around and snarl at her. Okay, oh, yeah. um. It's, I got really, really, really scared because I was like, uh, I, I freaked out because Danielle screamed at the top of her goddamn lungs. I was like, like, you know, when, like when a cat in a cartoon, like launches up to the ceiling and and that was me because my wife had screamed so goddamn loud. And just like, Jesus Christ, what the, what was that? And she's like swatting at me and slapping. It's like, I told you I didn't want to watch this goddamn shit at this thing. So, uh, I had to go around in my own house knowing that I had been home the whole, the whole night. Right. And I had to check in my cellar. I had to uh, go upstairs and make sure that no one was actually in the home. Hey, yeah, she's giving me the stink eye right now. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> and I I actually had to make sure. So I was kind of like the hero and the asshole at this at the same time. So I had I made sure that, that <laughs> there was no one in our house, there was no one in our closet, and uh the the guy that's in her bed is actually her husband. So yeah, I, I have a I have a very uh very soft spot up in in my in my heart for this movie as it, you know despite all its flaws and it has many uh i i hold this movie near and dear to me would you say i mean i know this is um you know there's that old urban legend of the call coming in from the inside of the house like you said it was used in black christmas is used in this um but do you think 
this influenced the opening of Scream because that's what I always think of. Oh, you wow. Know, go, yeah. Go, Ghostface calling and you know, but Harassing they, and, mm. but yeah, but they kill her like you know Drew Barrymore's character right off the bat. You know, yeah. I wonder too. It could be this movie because when I was younger, this movie to me was was the movie that people referred to as far as that urban legend and not Black Christmas. Yeah, I still think mm. Black Christmas is the better movie by far. Right. I fucking oh, love yeah. Black Christmas oh, and yeah. that whole urban legend is executed better in black Christmas and it came first before this one. Right. But for some reason people really latched on. And I don't know, maybe it I'll had tell a bigger... you why. Okay. It, I mean, I don't have any kind of um, definitive, but I mean, we're talking about this. We all know the first opening the first 20 film. minutes. Yeah. We don't. And then the rest of it, I mean, up until the end, <laughs> but it's like everybody know, watching this, I'm like, I've seen this. Yeah. Even watching it, I'm like, I've seen it. And then, it happens and I'm like, what there's there's more movie after this. I thought that was yeah. a movie. And but Black Christmas is good from the beginning to end. That's the difference yeah. to me. Uh and because this for opening 20 minutes is so memorable, people attribute it to that where uh that's sort of just the gimmick of this movie that anybody nobody remembers the middle of this movie. No, no. And that's so, the thing, is you know. I'm thinking this almost like the beginning of this movie is like, you know, since everybody knows that they've seen it, it almost falls like under to like under like a, a Mandela effect in a sort of way. Right. Yeah. 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 Maybe you're, maybe you're right about that. I, I kind of, Oh, I mean, I didn't do any research, so I don't know. I should have, um, I always, I, I guess I just assumed maybe that this was a bit more of a, commercial success maybe it played more theaters had a longer running time because i can remember being in in grade school and um some friends of mine uh telling me you know piece by piece the whole opening scene of this movie and referring to this movie so i even knew about it way back then when it when it came out even though obviously i didn't see it when i was too little i was you know too chicken but um so yeah, this, this this movie has always been in my consciousness since standing all the way back to grade school, um, and then I didn't discover Black Christmas well until like you know late high school. So yeah, I don't know. I so I just assume maybe it had more of a theatrical, a bigger theatrical run than maybe Black Christmas or it. It must be because. I'm thinking like, you know, cause I know prom night had like a smaller release and that was like during the, uh, the slasher boom. And that was a Canadian film. It was, a, was it, a, is it because maybe black Christmas was a Canadian film? It got such a smaller release. And then this is an American film. It got a wider release. I'm just taking yeah. a stab in the dark here. Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing too, and I know like Black Christmas went through a couple title changes. I don't know if uh, yeah, that's right. If it played in different in different areas as a different title, or they changed it the last minute, or or if they you know changed it because because there's trailers out there um, with the different titles of the movie for Black Christmas, like Silent Night, Deadly Night, or not Silent Night, Deadly, Bloody Silent Night, Night, Silent Night, Bloody, Bloody Night. Night. Yeah, and then there was another one I can't remember. Or just being on Terror in the Isles and reaching the TV audience. That's true too. Yeah, I referenced that before, and and maybe because I because Terror in the Isles back when I was younger and I was first getting into horror big time, that played all the time on like like HBO and Showtime. So, well, I know the opening of this is on like 
Bravo's 100 scariest movie yep. moments. It's yep. in like every countdown for scariest, you know, the just the opening. They just talk about that one scene. So that was probably part of it too. It was like a moment of pop culture. And I think yep. going back to the Scream reference, I mean, everybody talked about that opening, the Scream Forever. I mean, from like 96 until uh, still people do it. Um, you know, do you like scary movies? What's your favorite scary movie? You know, I'm almost thinking we could do a telephone horror episode just, you know, between this and Black Christmas and I saw what you did. And but Scream was part half this and half Psycho with the Janet Lee, right? Killing off your main character thing, too. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. The director of this movie, uh, is Fred Walton. Sure. Uh, Good old Fred Walton. Well, now hold on. Cause you just recently watched this <laughs> Good night, John boy. Awesome. Classic eighties <laughs> slasher that I love, but also kind of helped put the nail in the coffin on the slasher genre, but he directed April fool's day as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this and has a sequel too with Carol Kane. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to watch it now. Carol's <laughs> heard it's better. Really? I, I think I've heard it's better. I think if I'm thinking right. Well, uh, Carol Kane was also in a movie in 1994 called The Crazy Sitter. <laughs> oh, poor Carol. <laughs> she does a lot of sitting. A lot of sitting, that girl. With um, Beverly D'Angelo. Have you watched just, it? No, I just, it, I'm just on IMDb now and it popped up. It has Phil Hartman, oh. uh, Lisa Kudrow. It looks really bad. <laughs> it's really, um, really, really bad. bad. Yeah. I just I, I want I want it noted that I I do like this movie. Yeah, I, I would say so too. Just anybody going yeah. into it got to understand it's, it's the the Brace big yourself. you know the meat in the middle of the sandwich is it, it's it kind of drags on. Don't be turning down to the middle of this movie. It really loses its focus and direction. Bread's and good. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of sort of like a great. a Reuben that's on like really good rye, but um, they forgot like the sauerkraut or something. There's there's <laughs> moments where like and this is bad because Ted's on a cooking kick by the way. <laughs> I don't normally watch movies and I try to submerge myself into the movie as much as possible and I feel sure. like I usually do a pretty good job but I was noticing a lot of errors technical errors in this movie which I feel like comes into play with how disinterested I am of the middle story of this of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought yeah, you were going to say you submerge yourself so you babysat while watching it and uh, <laughs> left, left Simon with a s- psychopath in the house. Yeah, yeah. You had Jason uh, call you from upstairs like I'm yeah. next to Simon. <laughs> that's how that's how, how to really experience this movie. Um, but no, I was seeing like light stand legs and I was seeing crew yep. member shadows yep. on the walls and shit and yeah. And I'm like, this is just amateurish. This is really, I mean. It really feels like there was no budget on this movie and it shows. I don't know if that's true or not, but when it shows, it's it's bad. Like when the killer looked like he just slathered himself in jam when he killed those kids in those right. like those movies, <laughs> those shots. But it was 70s on film and it has a charm. Oh yeah, it still has some great 70s Gosh, charm. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it takes place in New York, but the all the downtown stuff um, has that gritty, gross New York feel to it, so I can also appreciate it for that. It certainly felt like someone was like, "I have this awesome movie," and they were like, "You know, she's gonna call 
the cops that are going to be like the killers in the house. And then the producers are like, all right, that's like 15 minutes. What else you got? And he's like, uh, and then he had to come up with the rest of the movie. Well, it's funny you say that because um, Fred Walton's first film is a short film called The Sitter, which was basically the setup for this movie. It was a short film that he made about a babysitter getting frightening phone calls, and he made it two years before he made um, before he made the, uh, When a Stranger Calls. So, see, this is why I don't support turning shorts, shorts into features. features. Oh, but the problem is, and I guess the I guess um, the remake proved that you could do it. That I feel like there's enough there. They could take that opening scene and stretch it out, or at least again, stretch out the beginning and stretch out the ending and, and, and just take out that middle chunk and still have a decent feature. Yeah. they. Yep. But it's they could have just made it like, you know, assault on precinct 13, you know, where he keeps trying to get into the house. And keeps calling her from somewhere. Yeah, like I get that they were trying to explain that he'd escaped from that hospital, but like they could have made it shorter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he gave okay. the kid a slow poke, so I mean, he's not all bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that what that was? I thought it was like I think that's a slow poke. I think that's what I think the right. candy lady game. It, it had to have been that. When I first saw it, I'm like, is, is he holding a popsicle? Isn't that melting? Turn it on a stick. <laughs> yes. Slowpoke. <laughs> Jason apparently doesn't like slowpokes. Okay. So, Tad, what's our next movie? Our next movie is the 2017 film, The Babysitter. All right. Tomorrow night, you, me, party. What up, C? B, call us if there's any trouble, okay? Cole, don't cause any trouble. I bet B has boys over at your place all the time. That's what babysitters do. Seriously, have you ever been awake after she's fallen asleep? I love her. Babysitter is trying to kill me. But the attacker's in the house. They're downstairs having a blast. Alrighty, babes, let's head upstairs and get the blood of the innocent. This would go viral. I mean, nobody's done human sacrifice. People have always done human sacrifice. Yeah, but like, not in America with hot people. Hey. when you make a deal with the devil. Why is he shirtless? That's your first question? There's only one way to end this Suck. 
crazy bitch. Okay. When Cole stays up past his bedtime, he discovers that his hot babysitter is part of a satanic cult that will stop at nothing to keep him quiet. So this one was filmed in 2015, um, was supposed to go theatrical, and ended up getting acquired by Netflix, directed by, how do you, is it McG, MCG? McG, McG. Mike's favorite director. Yeah, McG. Set, uh, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> But like I said, this was originally theatrical, got picked up by Netflix, uh, got thrown on there, has a pretty stellar cast. Uh, Obviously, Samara Weaving is the uh, highlight of this. Uh, Bella Thorne is another bigger name that people might recognize. It's sort of interesting. Um, We'll get more into it on the third movie, but uh, I saw, you know, saw this like right when it went up to Netflix. I was not sure I would like it, and I absolutely loved it. This is a rewatch for me, but it's just as much fun the second time as it was the first time. What'd you guys think? I thought it was pretty great. Had you guys seen it before? No, I had not. I I had seen them both before, but they were good. So I was like, Hey, cool. I thought you guys watched movies together. Well, I, the first one, (laughs) The first one I'd watched when it first had came out, and remember, Jennifer didn't even start watching horror movies till like very recently. <laughs> so, even if I would have told her, there were so many movies that I'd be like, "It's not even that scary," but she would never even risk it for the biscuit ever. <laughs> so this was at a point I actually watched the first one by myself, and then I watched the second one with my best friend because every now and then we'll have movie nights. And I watched that because I hadn't even thought about watching the second one with her because she hadn't seen the first one. And I, yeah. I don't know. But I really liked both of them. I had a blast, man. Uh, the the kills were great. And I, I don't want to really talk about them, many of them. Uh, but I love I love the characters. Um, uh, yeah, just and I will. I'm just. I love anything that Samara Weaving is in. I have yet to see a movie or a TV series that she's in that I have disliked. Um, yeah, and just you know, and Ken Marino, you know, as as the dad. Oh, I, mean, yeah, I was I gonna say him. him and Leslie Bibb are so fucking funny together. Oh <laughs> yes, a- absolutely. Um, yeah, and you just you automatically, you know, you feel for this, you feel for this kid. You know, he's just the, uh, he's he's the outcast, and you you, yeah, I mean, he is. Relate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he was so precious, though, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, I was um, su- super jealous of him for the first half. Yeah, yeah, and it's just the the complete one eighty <laughs> that you see. I I love that kind of. I love that kind of shit in a movie, you know, and it just, I mean, when it literally says, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, just gr- great Life stuff. Title. Great stuff. I mean, it's, it's a great, great mix of uh, horror and comedy and uh, they go, they go hand in hand. Uh, yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely check this out. Uh, if, yeah. if you haven't. Mick G has a sort of style and it's unique to him and it's either uh, love or hate. I feel like mm. where this is like a bubblegum pop culture comic book type comic book horror movie everyone, where yeah. 
Stuff characters. pops up on screen. The characters are almost um, caricatures of their stereotypes. Yeah. You know, you have the jock who's shirtless most of the movie, the, ch- the redheaded cheerleader. You don't say, yeah. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's so it's so funny because it's right in your face and unapologetic about it. And sometimes I just, you know, it, I want it. It's easy to digest. It's so much fun. Uh, it's just, an, it, it's, it's something to turn your brain off for a night and just watch people get murdered in bloody fashion and, uh, it's very it's, funny. Yeah, yeah. and I, I'm curious to see how it will hold up over the years because I was a little nervous about a second watch because it references so much stuff in pop culture. You know, and when you date a movie like that, uh, yeah. sometimes it it very quickly feels uh, very sort of cheesy and not relevant anymore. But this still held up for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's Wait. even even though I thought that the some of the uh, like the mythos of like you know the the book of evil and or whatever, and then they drip it on the pages. I mean, it's just like even that was to me that that was like a little shaky, and they barely they they almost barely refer to it. You yeah. know, I mean, <laughs> but the thing is, you're having so I was having so much fun, I didn't even care. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it just, just I enough mean, it, to move the plot, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, it 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 was it, it was a device that worked, and okay, let's go, let's let's so just I, have fun. I haven't like none of us have really dug into really what this is about. If you guys haven't seen it, I'm gonna spoil something. But basically, this kid he's bullied, picked on. He has a crush on his babysitter, who's Samara Weaving. Who wouldn't have a crush on her? She's awesome, Cha-ching. and. Yeah, she's but she's, she's the coolest babysitter. Yeah, she's she so, super cool. Yeah, stands out for him. Super nice to him. Very sweet. Uh, very yeah. right. Just you know, builds up. Helps try to build up his confidence. And she's babysitting him one night. He's supposed to be asleep. Uh, he hears them partying down in the living room. So he crawls out and watches what they're doing. And he watches them make out. Then shit goes really bad for the nerd of the group. He's uh, murdered and they're drinking his blood and they find he finds out, oh, they're here as like a Satanist group. The turn the turn from goofball comedy to horror movie in that kissing moment is so great because <laughs> it's exactly what the movie is over right. the top. I right, mean, they're playing spin the, the bottle. Knives and stabs him in the head. <laughs> Not just knives, giant, giant. ass silvery knives he that no die. one saw until she's holding oh, him up it's over ridiculous. his head. Like it's straight so up funny. crocodile Dundee shit, yeah. you know, that she plunges into his oh, head. And, and the so dude is blood. like, uh, is mine supposed to bleed out? Where's the blood? Then, you know, oh, so spray comically in, like a Tom and Jerry cartoon or, or oh, itchy and scratchy yeah. or something. Almost that like evil gag. Dead. Anytime that gag where somebody <laughs> just gets overloaded in the face by blood He's is going to make me laugh every time. <laughs> Dracula dead and loving it. That's the only scene in that movie that, that I laugh out loud at is when they're putting the stake in the in the heart of the vampire and it just keeps shooting Steven Weber in the face over and over and over again with the outrageous amount of blood. It's the greatest gag, gore gag ever is, is getting sprayed in the face with blood. So he sees this thing he's not supposed to see and then he gets in trouble and caught and tries yeah, to survive the group. He almost gets away with it because <laughs> he goes upstairs and you know pretends he's sleeping and they, they were just going to simply draw some blood from him he thought he was safe, um, but 
he tends to have <laughs> issues with with needles, which is established in the opening minutes with the I with I don't know nurse, the yeah. the school nurse. Yeah, he he's in both movies. He's pretty funny. Um, yeah. But it just it, that part seems a little out of place to me. But it's still very funny. But um, they, I guess, they had to explain some way for him to get caught. But, and for yeah. us, to, yeah. It and just to think, if he would have just drank the shot, that would like he would have <laughs> never seen all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but my Everything whole thought process fine. was in that very moment when they stabbed that guy in the head, they didn't have anything down, and they literally just did it on the rug. Yeah, the the room is destroyed. Yeah, I was like, well, how were they yeah. intending to like clean this up? <laughs> yeah, and then he comes back in, and it's like normal. Use the magic book, I guess. <laughs> and then spends the movie doing the accidentally killing the bad guys as right. he yeah. tries to survive, and that yeah. shit's always what, fun. Always what, fun. Yeah, it's always awesome when. Yeah, I mean, I I love the scene. When he finally meets up with the jock and he's like, dude, did you explode her? And he's like, yeah. The jock is kind of awesome. Yeah. Like, the jock is like, my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Max. He talked them through he's all like these. coaching him through how to be like brave and. Yeah. I'm still going <laughs> to kill you, but I'm going to still coach you. Yeah. Uh, there's so, so there's something really, I don't know, heartwarming about that. <laughs> is that weird to say? When he's proud he, of him. But... Right in the middle of chasing him down. And then that, that one bully of his shows up and he's like. Okay, you need to go do this. You need to go face your bully, and it's like you know, life coaching this kid, <laughs> and he's gonna kill, but he's life coaching this kid <laughs> to face up to the bull, and it's oh, it's amazing. It is. That's what's so great about it because you're so you're as viewers, we're so preordained to just hate this douchebag, you know, jock guy, and then he, we end up really having just a soft spot for him. I mean, he's still a douchebag, but. <laughs> Still, yeah. he's fun. He's really fun. Uh, yeah, a murdering yeah. Satan worshiper, but yeah. Well, I mean, the same thing with B. You know, she takes that turn, and we find out their true intentions. And it's like we still, she's still very nice, and she's like, "I wish I didn't have to do this." And she's, you know, she's still not going directly at person. him. Yeah, right. They're just flawed, but they still, still kill people. Still fun loving <laughs> characters, but. Yeah, like so her, fun. Like her, her show, her showdown towards the end, you know, where she's got the gun and they're back and forth and they're yeah. talking and it's like there's still uh, mutual respect and feelings back and forth. You know, he still admires her and back and forth. And yeah, it also has a great head explosion scene in there oh. where <laughs> the blood and I believe the teeth end up on the kid's <laughs> head. Where yes. they, they're just they're just stuck on his forehead <laughs> holy <laughs> shit uh, over great, the top great door. stuff so i good. mean it's it's uh it's it's right up there with some of the great head exploding scenes from like you know dawn of the dead and chopping mall but it, to me it, it's it's really good and the kid comes around he kisses the girl he steals the car he does the oh man this movie's so great the cool car flip uh like it's what i can't yeah. well watching this oh, yeah. i'm just amazed that this like i said was filmed and then sat for two years like yeah. what are studios what the fuck are they doing like why <laughs> why isn't this hitting theaters this would have done perfectly well at, at box office oh, oh heck yeah. yeah well it obviously did well for netflix so right like i just don't get why studios can release so much garbage and then they don't know how, what to do with this like are you kidding I'm, this is e- this is a, an easy sell 
They're I was dumb. thinking they're that. I was dumb. thinking they don't that know what they're today. doing. They don't know movies. It's almost like the it's almost like the opposite of what happened in the eighties, where the ratings rating we can get a lot away with a lot more gore now. And, you know, like the ratings board is more braver than the studios. Whereas like back in the eighties, the studios were a heck of a lot more, you know, bolder than the ratings board. It's just like the the script's been flipped. And so we, we get like all these, we get like all these PG, Ooh, there's a spooky ghost in the attic. I mean, who gives a shit? You know, (laughs) it's, you know, give us, you know, there's a reason why there's a lot of these old school remakes coming out and they're making money because that's, I mean, that's what, that's what they want to see. I mean, I think that's where the, you know, as a, as a horror fan, that's what I want to see. Not necessarily remakes, but you know that's why that's why I think like Scream did so well. It was uh, it was the same formula, but it just had a different twist. You know, stick with the formula, give us a different twist. Maybe they were waiting for Samara's name to grow. I don't know. What do you? Do? I don't know either. But it's like I I want to once in a while have fun, and this is fun. Like oh, let absolutely me have fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a blast. I'm going to save a lot of what I have to say when we talk about the third film tonight, because this is this, this is probably second or third time I've watched it. Um, I watched it back in the day when it first came out and now rewatching it again. Um, I have some new thoughts, but, uh, but we can get to that when we get into our third film. Andy, why don't you tell us what the third film is tonight? Our third film is the sequel to the film that we were just talking about, and it is called The Babysitter, Killer Queen. Not Freddie Mercury. Growing up is worse than a near-death experience. I can confidently tell you that because two years ago, my babysitter and her friends tried to kill me. The worst part is nobody believes me. And now everybody thinks I'm crazy, but I miss her. You're a weird little dude with a crush on a murderous, fictitious babysitter. We just gotta get you laid. That's your advice? That's what the f just came out of my mouth, ain't it? Cole, you're my best friend. You're not crazy. It's this place. We're all going to the lake this weekend. Just come with me. I already took my dad's car. It's just you and me. We're back! Oh! Let's go, Cole! Oh! You okay? You look like you've seen a gorgeous black ghost. Don't worry, guys. I'm good. Where's Sonya? Getting cookies. I watched you all die! We are dead. Duh! Clearly, you guys are into some heavy cosplay. Just leave it be. Ow! Oh, yes! oh, shit! Oh, no! It's all gonna get done again! Update me on the Psycho Breakfast Club. Basically, they're a blood cult, and they made a deal with the devil. And they only have three hours to complete the ritual. We could hide out till sunrise. We finish this, we have to go back down to limbo. Love you, Cole. 
Could this night get any more erotic? Hey, Coley. You're my kill of the night. I get killed first. That's some post-Jordan Peele era horror movie progress. Okay, um, it's guys, it's it's more the same. He uh, Cole is much older older now. Uh, even though it says two years, uh, this was actually filmed in 2019. So Cole looks considerably older, you know, in in this movie, even though it says two years. But uh, after having the satanic blood cult, I mean, he's living another nightmare, which is high school, and basically mm-hmm. nobody really believes what happened that night uh you know because i mean i he, there was no bodies that were actually recovered they just think that he went nuts and uh did a barrel roll in a chevelle into his you know parents living room um but basically uh from from what this is he's he's trying to adjust you know and his parents have him on just a myriad of you know psychological medicines but the next door neighbor girl invites him out to uh, a party at the lake where cole basically dodges a bullet because uh his parents want to check him you know into a psychiatric ward pretty much and the the neighbor's dad which is uh, the neighbor, which is the girl, her her dad is hilarious, and <laughs> basically they they try to track them down, and it turns out the neighbor girl has also joined the satanic cult, and he must team up with the new girl in school who actually has problems of her own to eventually defeat the satanic cult that's come back. The whole same cast, which has been summoned back from hell. Max, the cheerleader, Johnny, all of them are back, and they're trying to once again get the pure blood of Cole. Wow, um, the kills in this movie are just really great. Uh, surfboards to the head, cheerleader's heads getting torn off, her boob gets <laughs> shot again. Awesome. Um, I have to do my favorite. Uh, I always do my favorite line, line of the movie. My daughter is DTF. She ditches Thursdays and Fridays. <laughs> right. Uh, my favorite best line of the movie. Um, the uh, the cinematography is great. When uh, Mel says uh, it's time to take the red pill or the blue pill, you know, join her or go with your parents, and then. We see Cole walk out to the hallway and of course, you know, he looks to his left and his right and you have red lighting and blue lighting. I just really love that effect. Um, Ken Marino is actually, you know, he's still trying to be like this, this really cool dad, but he's like, he's trying to be a very good father and get his help that he thinks that his kids need, but he's also smoking weed with, with the next door neighbor, which is, which is great. (laughs) Um, When the wife constantly says, did you take pot? (laughs) Did you take pot? (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, clearly you have no, yeah, you have no, uh, you don't care where your daughter is. And the dad just goes, no, I don't care. 
you know, uh, just just really great one-liners in this movie. Um, totally want that uh, boat that they're on with like the seventies, you know, shag pad that's in there with the zodiac rug. Loved it. Love that. I love that set. Um, and like I said, the kills with like the the. I guess what is that 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 fit that giant fishing hook to that girl's float? Uh, I believe her name was Boom Boom, and then it says literally, he "What said, fuck, the boom, fuck boom. again?" <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, great, great stuff. Uh, and uh, fuck that rattlesnake scene. That's not that. No, Mm-mm, no, that gave me so much anxiety. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yes. Yeah. Screw, screw that. If he can't handle needles, he'd have been shit in his pants. Um, they, uh, yeah, I won't, I won't, uh, reveal everything. Uh, but I love the fact that they're playing fucking tangerine dream in this. They're playing love on a real train from risky yeah, business. Loved it. Um, I love that the, the neighbor guy's dad, uh, the, the <laughs> neighbor girl's dad's name is Juan, which is really strange. <laughs> um I thought that but the one thing though I have one complaint I thought the street fighter gag was a little too cheesy with you know them doing like you know all the hadoukens and you know uh I thought that first, was but then just kind of yeah I I I wasn't a big uh I mean Deer antler chandeliers, you know, hitting guys in the face. And uh, once again, Max is great. Uh, you finally found my dick, Cole. When he, when he, when he, when he, when he's able to kick him in the dick, um, and his face getting ripped up with the outboard motor. Just, I mean, really, really great, great stuff in this film. And at the end, I just, I just, like I said, I, I, I really love Max' character, uh, Robbie Amell, which is uh, Stephen Amell's cousin who plays Arrow. Um, uh, you fucking stud, Cole. I'm not even, I'm not even mad when they know that uh, Cole actually got laid. So, uh, anyway, yeah. I'll shut up, guys. Have at it. I, well, I really I, like uh, the addition of Jenna Ortega. I thought she was great in this. Her, his friend yeah. Phoebe, yeah. who, yeah. yeah. You know, is the quiet girl um, joins this movie as really the only new character, and she's a great addition. I really thought she, I, I think she has a great future. You know, I know she's in a lot of other things, but this was like a, a nice meaty role for her, and I felt like she knocked it out of the park. Yeah, she's great on the TV series You that's on Netflix. She's on the, yeah, yeah. she's good. I'm not familiar. I will say my personal favorite part of the movie was when the policeman is there getting descriptions of their children. (laughs) And he asks Juan for the picture of his baby and like not even a second thought. He just hands him the picture of his car. (laughs) Every time. Look. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird because I'm usually not a fan well, I guess I'm about to prove myself wrong, but when a movie just basically does the same thing the second time as a sequel, I'm like, eh, I don't know. But I mean, I love Home Alone 2. I love Halloween 2. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I, if I like the first one, give me more. And that's what they did. They even brought back the original cast. Yeah, because they like did everything in like the same sequence. And 
right, gotcha. Yeah, and, yeah. and they still, though, they at least they re- they recognize that and sort of make fun of themselves, yeah. poke fun at oh, themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's all tongue in cheek, and that's what's great. Uh, Happy Death yeah. Day does the same sort of, yeah. right? Yeah, I, but I this one really does a lot of the same things, like from literally the nurse scene to. Yeah, after he gets a shot like a lot of the same setup which i liked i guess but i think uh go ahead oh i was just gonna say and when she shoots herself in the tit again this is the thing she's sitting there she shot a rabbit she shot a deer <laughs> like point blank <laughs> and these things like blew up <laughs> and then she just is over here firing off shots and a ricochet is off the wall and shoots her right in the titty again <laughs> I'm like, girl, you it's have almost, good aim, obviously. Yeah, like the uh, when she shoots the rabbit, it's like so cartoony. Yeah, I love it. Like that is such a, the tone of this movie is cartoon. It's like Roadrun or something. Like to shoot the rabbit yeah. and it just explodes. It's like, um, like Jason sort of said, it's almost like a comic book on screen with deaths. It's just it's fun. Yeah, it's I think fantastic. this one follows the sequel rules of turning everything up a notch, especially the comedy and the goofiness and the far outness of it. But I have this feeling Mike's about to say some shit. What's going on over no, there? I'm not going to say oh, any I shit. You were... No, I love this movie. My, <laughs> Gosh, my question is, my question is, um, do you think this was planned all along both movies? Like the like making two movies or the story like like the, like the the story was planned out for for both films because to, um, because when I was watching um, the first one again I am seeing different things this time because of this movie you know it's a pretty big spoiler but uh, you know the babysitter her motivation is completely different at the end of this movie than what we suspected was her motivation in the first movie. Yeah. And yet she's talking about in this movie on how like that was the plan all along. And so when I'm going back and watching the first movie, you know, she's, she saves his ass in the kitchen there in the third act by blowing, by blowing the girl's head off with the shotgun. She never really, really tries to kill him. Yeah. Um, like, and she's only stopped because this kid thinks he has to stop her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It, it almost feels like all of this was planned because you're right. There's so, there is, there is so many beats in this movie that are just straight from the first movie intentionally. And I think it works because, well, one, I feel like it's planned out, and two, it's all part of the joke and it's all part of the structure. I feel of like one story. Um, even so, like one of my favorite moments, and this is uh, my girlfriend Brandy's favorite, one of her favorite things too, is like when every every time, and it happens in the first movie, but it's way more obvious in the second movie that every time he's talking to that girl, um, that his his friend, um. The, his surroundings are in slow motion. Like time has slowed down when he's with this mm-hmm. girl. And I love that. It's so cool. And it's more subtle in the first movie than it is in the second movie. Um, 
because I don't remember it before when I watched the first movie, but rewatching it again, I'm like, holy crap, they did it. And it's like in the same spot in the same uh, moment of the movie too. But then there's that, there's that moment when he is stealing the car in the third act of the first movie. And he looks to his neighbor girl, you know, friend, and she has this look on her face that I totally like, her look is like, yeah, do it. You, you, you seize the day. You win. You, you beat this thing. And, but I see the look completely different now because it, it has more of a menacing look on it. Yeah. Knowing now that she's at uh, knowing now that she's two years later is going to be part of this cult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I would have, I, I think so. I mean, I would have, I would have answered. I think it was completely written later. And they just did a really good job of tying them together. I I, I watched I uh, the first one again, and then watched Killer Queen for the first time after it. But mm. I know what you're saying, but her look—I think half of it's just her face. But then, <laughs> the, I mean, it is the loving go buddy look. I think yeah, you're reading into it. I don't know. I, I, I that's cool that it could be, but I, I think they did a damn good job of writing them two together. I'm kind of torn. Like part of me thinks that like, I hope it wasn't pre-planned because then that's genius writing to, to, to take these moments from the first movie and do something different with with them in the, in the second movie. You know, it's, it's the Halloween two thing, right? Where like, you know, Jamie Lee was never supposed to be Michael Myers, sister in the first movie, but now that's forever etched in our brains. Thanks to, thanks to the second movie. Um, it, it, they kind of do the same thing with this where like now I'm seeing things completely different in the first movie, uh, because of what happens in the second movie. Um, and I, I, I think it's, I think it's written intentionally that way. And I think it's genius if it wasn't pre-planned on the other side of it, it's like, I kind of wish it was pre-planned because then I, f- cause, cause you know, I, I don't want another movie influencing how I feel about the first movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, unless that was the intention all along. You know, I mean, so you're probably right. Um, and I think it's genius writing and genius filmmaking on their part to take elements of the first movie and flip it like that. And it and it works. Yeah. And you McG almost feel like said, it's premeditated. McGee has said that he already has the third movie planned. It's just a matter of if Netflix says go, then he's ready to go. And he already has like a story arc and has it planned out. So maybe he did. I don't know. But he said he has a a plan for Cole. Well, I looked and um, the second movie has like four writers. McGee is credited and there was three others. One by the name of Brian um, Duffield who was the writer who was the sole writer of the first movie. So who knows? I didn't, I was, I spent most of the second movie going, are they really bringing Samara back? Because like, the, yeah, cause it doesn't happen. For the, quite and, the, a while. and the first couple clips of her, you see are very like grainy. Like maybe they were just some shots from the first one that they reused or something. Cause they were so yeah. short. And so, yeah. So by the time she, I'm like, Oh, they really did get her. I was so happy to see her make it. And she Even looked a little a crazy off. wig or whatever was going on. Yeah, I was going to say it had a wig or Way something. Blonde. She, yeah. Well, and but, it just looked like it was fake hair. Like, yeah. 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 
but happy she's back. Definitely. And really? as much as, cause, cause yeah, I think we all do. We just, we love the character so much all the way up until like the, 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 um, you know, the cult stuff in the first movie. Cause she is the coolest babysitter ever. And she's just awesome with him and everything. And that, and that's the thing. Like you want it to be real. You want, you want her to be the good guy at the end, you know, even though she's the leader of this cult thing. So the fact that in the end of the second one, she's the good guy and I'm like, Oh, yay. Yep. Yep. Well, so and she like entwines the two Phoebe and Cole's story too. Cause she was both their babysitters. So that was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. And like, and she talks about how, like, you know, just looking out for him in the, in the ending of the second movie. So, um, I, I feel, cause I feel like, again, watching the, the, the first one today, there's that scene where, where he's just like, he's breaking down and he's like, you know, I thought we were friends and I thought you really cared about me, but all you wanted was my blood and all this stuff. And, and I don't know, again, you know, you can say I'm reading way too much into it, but I'm taking her performance in a different direction in her in in that scene and her part of her conversation on that as if she's purposely saying mean things back so you know so that she can keep her um persona of what uh, so the others and she even talks about in the first one too there in the last half like she doesn't she didn't care about any of those other guys any of the other members of the cult so i don't know all right so but they're Really gonna do a third one? Like, didn't this wrap up? Oh, the book in the sand. But still, like, gosh, this one ends so good. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I hate sequels. I kind of don't think they should I mean, do I'll one love- because I feel like <laughs> it's solid. I, I feel like what's so great about both of these movies is that Cole's arc is Cole has the greatest arc through both of these movies. Like the other movie had to happen to finish his arc, you know. To fully, because he's a mess at the beginning of the second one because of the events of the first movie. Probably yep. more of a mess yep. than he was before. But by the end of this, he, you know, he gets the girl. He's not a virgin anymore. He's more confident. He's stronger. She's everything, or he's everything that the babysitter wanted him to grow up to be by the end of the film. So I feel like his story is over. So yeah. unless they go with a whole new story, which they, I guess they could. Sure. Because obviously she's babysat before. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, they're, the more splat stick there is, the better, I think, in the world, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Fun movie. For sure. I loved when they called him colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Like, it's like a lot of childish dumb humor and that's right up my alley so and i was really sad when melanie chopped her dad's limbs off <laughs> like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i kind of started liking that dude i know really this one. Oh yeah like well i guess one's gone now <laughs> <laughs> i thought maybe there were a couple i should have wrote them down but i thought there were a couple gags i thought maybe went a little too cheesy cartoony but but, you know, again, it fits the sequel thing for me, I guess. Oh, and I wanted to ask Andrew, because, you know, you had mentioned the book and the first one and, mm-hmm. you know, how you kind of thought, like, going in that direction would be kind of cheesy or whatever. This one is definitely far more supernatural things going on than the first one. 
Um, yeah. So how do you feel about all that? I didn't. I didn't mind the the supernatural things. I mean, it's like, and I don't mind like you know the sort of uh, old school Batman and Robin. You know what the fuck? You know, kind of like Biff Zop, whatever. What the fuck? Um, it's just like I thought that you know, just uh, give a little bit of that. Like I thought, like the uh, like I said, like I thought the Street Fighter shit was just it was that that was just too much. Um. Gotcha. Yeah, I just I just thought that was a little too corny. I mean, it's like nothing wrong with you know the the book or anything. I mean, I mean they could have incorporated that even more. They could have they could have done even more with that. I wouldn't have cared. Okay, I was just curious. Okay, so that's the films we're going to talk about tonight. But there is still more to come, folks. We're going to take a quick break and listen to a promo of our podcast network, the PFPN. Be sure to check out our newest addition to the network, um, Podcast from the Crypt. It's a very fun show. Definitely check them out. And we will be right back with more Attack of the Killer podcast right after this. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And we're back. It's the segment's time of the show. It's time to start off with Jason and Shem. Shout outs. Shem outs. Shem shem. Shimmy shem shem shem. It's time for shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. Shout outs. That's right. Everyone's favorite segment, Shem outs. We got, we asked everybody what your favorite babysitter horror movie was and got some fun responses. First on our Facebook page, we got Don and Ellie. He says, to move past the obvious elephant in the room, the recently released The Mortuary Collection, now on Shutter, so you guys can get your plugins for the channel. Here's an extra bonus. That's right. Just use the code AOTKP. Get a free month of Shutter. Um, they have a great babysitter themed segment involved much like tales of halloween where that one's opening babysitter short is the highlight of the film other good ones include mischief night and the decent indie slasher babysitter wanted mortuary collection on shutter thanks don and we got amelia kibby says i hate to be a basic bitch but halloween with jamie lee curtis Woo. She is the ultimate babysitter, and I would definitely let her watch my kid. Anybody who can fight off a murderer with a knitting needle and a clothes hanger is incredible. (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, Amelia. I have some disagreements with that one. Oh, shit. Well, only because when all this stuff happens and he's in the house, why didn't she have the kids leave the house instead of going upstairs and locking them in the bathroom? She eventually does. I know she. Yeah. 
So there. Well, technically they leave. She's there still. But. Right. She tells him to go to the McKenzie's, uh, have them call the police. Do as I say. <laughs> That'll get you. Okay. Just. Is that satisfy your. Anyway, you've been tatted. Anyway, up next on our Facebook That'll never wash on. group edition, uh, we got Tim Letterer. He says, if. House of the Devil counts, then that's the one yeah, for me. Yeah. Yeah, that counts. It takes a, a real out-of-nowhere surprise to get me and yell, holy shit, at the television. And this movie did indeed have one. Yeah, that movie rules. Nick Leadham says, maybe The Gate? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The big sister um, yeah. just watched kids and ends up ends up throwing a party. And then the kids fly, and fly around on the ceiling. Yeah. We got our pal Brian Clark. Here we go, Brian. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, he says, aside from the obvious answer of Halloween, the one for me is the sleazy, stupid, inept Canadian flick, The Pit. <gasps> Wherein, oh, my God. How did I not think of The Pit? Pit's awesome. Wherein a perverted little kid feeds people to his pet caveman at the command of his even more perverted demonic teddy bear. Of course, that one. Yeah. That movie is freaking amazing. It, is. it yeah. is a good movie. Oh my God, if you've not seen The Pit, you need to see. Thank you, Brian, for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess we're going to do part two I episode. so, yeah. Coming soon. <laughs> or a teddy bear we're one. We're just going to do a whole episode on The Pit. Okay. That movie, is it's so f- fucking weird. Yep. We could You could do Pits and have the rabid, you know. <laughs> Up next, we got attacker Peter Parker. Oh, I get it. Armpits. Uh-huh. Yes, come on. I figured <laughs> it took me a minute. <laughs> Mr. Pun would love that one. Oh, <laughs> took too long. I do love it. It just <laughs> took forever. Oh, Peter Parker says, Halloween, 1978. He says, The House of the Devil, 2009. And The Babysitter, 2017. Heck to the yeah, uh, Peter. If that is your real name, I know it's not. Okay, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And then over on the Twitter at AOTKP, we got some. We got Clubber Bam at Clubber Bam says, my favorite babysitter-related horror movie is Halloween. This is Halloween. This is Halloween, 1978. <laughs> and I confess, I uh, I like When a Stranger Calls from 2006 over the original. Yeah. Interesting, Clubber mm, Bam. I need to see it. If that's your real name. <laughs> yeah, you probably should. And then tell me if it's good or not, so I don't have to waste we'll my time. We'll have to watch it for Babysitter Part 2. I guess. Right. Killer Queen. And then over on Instagram, we got uh, Scariest Things with a Z says, Halloween, duh. Good. Yeah, you're definitely right. And then we got Attacker Rod at Four Foot Rod says, besides the original Halloween, better watch out. Was a fun twist on the traditional babysitter horror. Completely agree, Rod. Good call. Yes. The movie rules. Andy, have you seen Better Watch Out? Yeah, that's the yeah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And the, the the kids turn out to be little shits. Well, one yeah. of them. Yeah, so who was worse to babysit? That kid or you? <laughs> oh. Don't answer that. It's incriminating. Don't. Yeah, I'm not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and all of you can leave your comments. You can leave us a voicemail 
Uh, you can call 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us that voicemail. We'll play it on the show. Get your voice heard on Attack of the Killer podcast. And that's shout-outs. But just wait. We are not done yet. What? Mike, get get this. What? Celebrity visit again. Oh, my God. Who let's, could it be? Let's find out. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin for Attack of the Killer podcast. <laughs> anyway, I'm sitting down at the Broken Skull. I pop over to Steve Weiser. I turn on the boob tube. I see this... this this Jason Voorhees and this damn this this black boy up on top of this damn building here to having this gimmick match like a hell in a cell. Anyway, this some bitch, he's taking lefts, he's taking rights, he's opening up like a bastard. He's knocking him upside the head. This he ain't even doing nothing. He's barely selling this shit. I'm thinking to myself, Jesus Christ, you better get your ass serious, son. Hit this some bitch with a chair because the sunset flipping a goddamn small package and go get the job done. So anyway, his knuckles are bleeding like a bastard. And he's he's patting like a dog trying to shit shit a peach pit. So anyway, he says, take your best damn shot. So anyway, this big bastard rears back. He knocks this bastard's head off. It rolls down the rolls down the side of the building into a damn dumpster. Moral of the story is pick your battles or some damn hobo's gonna be picking your head up out of the damn trash can, kicking it down the street. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. And that's all I got to say about that. Here's Mike's picks. Thank you, Stone Cold. Okay, so <laughs> to continue on with our Hall of Fame here on Insane's Picks, uh, people, people are going to be surprised. I haven't uh, done this guy sooner, but uh, for the Hall of Fame this time around, I am inducting Fred Olin Ray, Whoa. director of some of uh, some of my favorite films of his are Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, Phantom Empire, Scalps, Evil Tunes. See, Fred Olin Ray spent most of his childhood in Florida watching horror movies on television. He was a really, really big fan and gained a vast knowledge of cinema. Uh, his brain, his knowledge of film and film history is incredible. I know this firsthand because I've had an actual one-on-one conversation with him. Jason and I got to meet Fred Olin Ray several years ago and sit around after hours uh, having martinis with Fred Olin Ray. Well, we watched him drink martinis, yeah, it was nice, but, but it was cool just listening to him tell stories for hours on hours. It was great. Uh, he got into filmmaking, uh, doing various jobs on um, different low-budget productions um, throughout uh, Florida that was happening in Florida at the time, and eventually graduated up to making his own films, uh, learning quickly on how to manage making films on a low-to-no-budget. He would often crank out film after film after film. Um, in one particular story, he was making one movie and turned around and he was one making a movie for one company, and then uh, after hours called his friends and it's like, hey, we we have some extra film stock here. Um, we have these sets that aren't going to get torn down for a couple weeks. Hurry up, let's make another movie around it. And that's how Phantom Empire was made, just based on the fact that there was sets left over, and they shot around the the uh, final production of this other film and made another movie. Um, his films rarely cost more than five hundred thousand dollars. And he has written under at least 30 different pen names. 
Uh, he was one of the first to f- uh, fill in time at the end of his films without takes, mostly because he would never um, film enough footage for a traditional standard feature length film. Uh, Biohazard was one of the first films that he did this, that he uh, um, put outtakes at the end of the film. And Biohazard having one of the greatest endings in cinema history where the um the love interest of the film reveals herself to be one of the one of the weird alien monsters you know takes her skin off and there's a monster underneath and then the lead guy turns and looks at the camera and says cut and that's the end of the movie um and then putting uh, putting bloopers at the end of the uh, at the end of the film would end up being common practice in other big budget films uh, he is, um, he has filmed footage for a lost Ed Wood script, uh, that was never completed. Uh, he used unused footage of a film that he did with John Carradine. He used John Carradine a lot up until John Carradine died. Um, and then he had footage for a film that he started to shoot with John Carradine, um, but never finished. And he ended up reusing that film. Uh, for the movie Jacko, uh, just like how Ed Wood used Bella Lugosi's footage for Plan 9 from Outer Space. Uh, his production company, Retro Media Production, um, is a great label where you can find all of his films, and he would put other films on the uh, on the label too. A lot of awesome lost, like sword and sandal films or um, classic uh, old horror films that um, – or been lost to public domain. Uh, one of my favorites that he put out was a very rare uh, Ed Wood film called Bride of the Gorilla. So that is the inductee for this episode, the great Fred Olin Ray. He's awesome. He is awesome. And that's the show. I want to thank everybody out there for listening and special thanks to Emily and Jennifer for joining us. Oh my gosh, it was so Thank awesome you having you. Yeah, it was so fun. Here. Thanks for having us. I had so much fun. Thank you for inviting us again. Yeah, tell everyone where we can find your show and all that good stuff. Well, you can find us on... I'm going to list it off here as best as I can. I know we are on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Anchor, and I know there's some more, but yeah, you can get to all <laughs> our platforms, those through the Anchor profile, so that's pretty cool. I try to put links to all that stuff in, like, the episode details and or, like, my posts so people can get to it easier. Yeah. And Go follow also, them on Instagram. Go follow them on Facebook and you'll see yep. every time that they upload a new episode or just follow them on, you know, whatever device you or program you use to listen to podcasts. Yes. yes. And our episodes come out at 10 a.m. on Sundays now. Yes. We changed. And obviously at the PFPN. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always be plugging. Sorry, I've got to. We are you part know, of the family. You are, are totally part of the family. So the next time you're looking for something scary to watch, do yourself a favor and watch the greatest American heartwarming comedy cinema masterpiece adventures in babysitting. Talk to you on the next episode of attack of the killer podcast. Oh no. Could this be the end of, <laughs> attack of the killer podcast?
Jason, show's over. I, I got this message from Insane Mike. Uh, he, he didn't have the heart to come and tell you guys this himself. He he needs your help, and he's a he's a fragile guy. He needs you to know that you're behind him, and you're on his side. So look, he, he wanted me to come and say a few words at the end of the show here. So first, thanks for listening. Second, thanks for subscribing. And third, head over to jointheattackers.com and find out how you can support Insane Mike and become an attacker today.